Hello, and welcome to Love the Game, Live the Dream. Join me, your host, Nick Holmes, and my array of guests as we prove to you that you don't have to be a Hall of Fame player, a first-round draft pick, or even a high school standout, for that matter, to have a successful career in the sport of baseball. This podcast is brought to you by World Baseball Experience. Love the Game, Live the Dream is an entertaining yet insightful look at some of the baseball world's brightest and most talented minds. You're going to hear the life stories, struggles, and triumphs of everyday coaches, scouts, executives, and even entrepreneurs that are making their mark in baseball and in life by pursuing their passion and love of the greatest game on earth. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy Love the Game, Live the Dream. Welcome back, all my gamers and dreamers out there listening to this podcast. I appreciate you guys' support. I want to give a big shout-out to... Uh, my newfound friend and first biggest fan of the show here, Mr. Mark Mashad. Congratulations, Mark, on your new job at Stetson University down there in Florida. I think you're going to be a fantastic director of operations, and I really appreciate you listening to the show and sending me all your uh, support and love and feedback, passing it on to all your seamhead friends around the uh, country. So appreciate it, Mark. And the rest of you listeners that are just uh, maybe a little too shy to write in, I haven't forgot about you. I know you're there. I see the click. I see the numbers rising on the episodes that are being listened to. And again, I really appreciate you guys uh, listening to the show. I think it's a great message that we're trying to send here to anybody out there that's looking to work in the baseball industry, either as a coach, a scout, a front office person, an entrepreneur, an umpire, a ticket sales person, whatever the case may be, there are tons and tons of jobs inside uh, baseball, in and around it, if you will. They're out there. So if this is your game and this is your passion, find it. Get out there and beat the street, hit the pavement, uh, look under every rock, meet as many people as you can within the community and within the industry, and before you know it, you will land somewhere that you are supposed to be so that you can continue hanging around the sport you love. Uh, let's see, what do we got today? Fantastic show. I have Tyler Atkinson on the show. He grew up in Southern California with two younger brothers and a huge desire to play baseball. Did most of his focusing on baseball, tried a couple other sports and just didn't really take. So since the age of five, this kid has been really putting his heart and soul into becoming a Major League Baseball player. And I was allowed the opportunity to coach Tyler when he was a senior at Modern Day High School uh, in Orange County, California. The fall before he graduated, as a matter of fact, when he was a high school player, he was a pretty quiet young player with a lot of determination. And he was trying to stand out in a pool of talented collegiate and professional prospects. And I tell you, he is one of those guys that embodies what every coach wants out of his players. Uh, of course, he had some ability. He had great aptitude. He had an, uh, an attitude that, you know, came to the ballpark every day to get his work in, get it done, and put in 100% all the time. He made adjustments when he was needed to, and he was able to correct minor mechanical flaws, in my opinion, pretty quickly. And that's something that you got to be able to do to be a good ball player. What I especially liked about him was his hustle and his willingness to ask for help. You know, not a lot of guys, especially at this stage in their career, are very open and honest with themselves and, you know, feel comfortable asking a coach for some help. And he had no problem with it. In fact, he seemed comfortable being in uncomfortable situations. And I was shocked to hear that not one college coach had him on their radar as he was approaching his senior year. So we had a couple of conversations about that back in 2012. And as you'll hear in this episode, that remained the case until the very last minute of his summer of his senior year when he finally had his life turned around and got an offer to play at San Diego State University under the late great Hall of Fame outfielder Tony Gwynn. Uh, with only one year of playing Division One baseball under his belt, he had a horrific injury um, during an inter-squad game that set him back a year in the process of reaching his professional dreams. Addy, as he uh, is called by his teammates, likes to put it as he doubled down on business classes, he rebuilt his body after losing 20 pounds, and focused on all of his schoolwork despite a wired jaw and extreme fatigue from painkillers. It was really hard for him to stay awake in classes. He'll talk about that. And he rose above it all. He returned to the uh, field. He got back with his teammates to finish off an incredible collegiate career that included Academic All-American, and he was also a nominee for the prestigious Golden Spikes Award given to the best college baseball player in the nation. Uh, one of the things that really impressed me is that he negotiated his own contract 
when the Dodgers chose him in the 32nd round. I won't spoil the surprise, but he negotiated an incredible signing bonus for that slot for any of you that follow the draft. I think you'll be shocked to hear this. After hitting 300 in his rookie campaign, he did what uh, a lot of aspiring big leaguers would say was probably completely crazy. He retired. He stopped the train before it got rolling. That's right. He basically decided that it was more important for him to help athletes rather than be one. He did that by taking his signing bonus and partnered up with a friend of his and started a hedge fund management company in Southern California. And now he spends his days making a huge impact on the lives of a lot of young professional athletes by helping them manage their money. And soon he will be opening another chapter of that business by helping everyday people like you and me manage their finances. So what an incredible young man. I'm very excited that I'm getting a chance to share his story with you about uh, how he overcame what I would consider probably the, the most horrific injury that could happen to a baseball player outside of their arm falling off. And so in a true example of how never giving up and doubling down on your strengths can catapult your life into exactly where you want to be, you're going to want to listen to this episode and find out more about Tyler Adkison. Here we are. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, born and raised in, in LA, so I was born in Santa Monica, raised in Culver City, the uh, oldest of uh, three boys. Um, Grew up with baseball, surrounded nonstop. That was pretty much uh-huh. like, the way of life. Um, so I did the whole travel ball circuit with baseball and everything. Um, awesome experience. Got to meet a lot of really cool people that I'm still surrounded by, surrounded with today. Um, uh-huh. I was playing with them in high school, college, and pro ball. It's kind of a that circle. Who got you into the game? Was this uh, a family tradition? Did mom or dad introduce the game to you, or was it more of a community thing with your, your buddies and stuff? Yeah, I mean, definitely my dad to start. Just kind of got introduced me to it and then and then from there it's kind of a I guess I guess you must believe in and love at first sight because I kind of never stopped playing after that at a young young age who, who knows how young but um as far as I can remember uh-huh. that's that's been my entire life man yeah did you play other sports too I mean I tried like basketball and, and stuff like that but and like soccer I remember I was like the kid in the field the little kid in the soccer field like grabbing the ball with my hands and stuff and confusing what's going on so it wasn't my thing I think <laughs> uh, baseball just kind of <laughs> naturally <laughs> fit for me well i was just asking because i mean you're a pretty good athlete i remember uh when i first met you when you came to to the a's uh, scout ball team of course you were uh in high school so but uh i was i'm surprised to hear that that you didn't uh didn't play like every sport so you weren't a, you weren't a traditional basketball soccer baseball or football basketball baseball guy when you're growing up no i mean i guess i say uh but I wasn't really a diverse girl. I was more concentrated on on only baseball, which I think um, for me, I personally made it end up being my, to my benefit, just because mm-hmm. um, you know being able to focus and sharpen skills. You know, I wasn't the most gifted, I guess, athlete by like by size or by, by just like brute strength or anything. So I kind of had to really fine tune the craft, and I think that was that kind of helped. Um, right. Obviously, in the moment, you don't really you're not really thinking of it that way. Sure. But in hindsight, you know, it's like you know, I was really able to really really sharpen skills by doing that so very thankful that that worked out that way let's let's talk about that just for a second because you know there's always the debate of multi-sport athletes versus sports specialization you know when is it too soon when is it this and that especially because we're in the baseball world so we talk about that a lot but uh i feel like you might be on that side of that you decided this was your game early on and you focused on it Um, tell me a little bit about that like where you did you go to private lessons or work with an instructor or is it just playing it every day? Cause you loved playing it. What was it like for you with that? Yeah, it was, um, it was really lucky to be in, in LA first of all, and be surrounded by so many people that kind of had the same, same mindset. So I'd be right. doing private lessons um, with different, with different trainers, um, you know, be doing like the whole beach workout to go to the sand dunes with a group of guys from a mm-hmm. really young age. Um, oh, cool. ball. But, but it was all, um, it was all literally just fun. Like I really honestly enjoyed every moment of it. I never really thought like, Oh, I have baseball practice today. It's like, okay, let's, let's go to baseball practice. You know, like this is awesome. Mm-hmm. So um, with that, with that perspective, you know, I think that, you know, the, the, the intense workload of baseball was rewarding just because it kind of always, you know, keeps, it keeps all kids that busy out of trouble. Right. And, um, yeah. and you know, keeps them with that group of friends. So I think for me, it was in that positive, 
But, um, you know, other people maybe, you know, would be like, oh, the kid's being pushed too hard or something. And maybe some parents would, you know, it's more important for them than it is for the kid. And maybe that might be an issue. But for me, it was definitely a passion. Um, yeah. And so no, no pressure, from, no pressure from mom and dad. Then it was all you. Yeah, exactly. Um, they're extremely supportive and it was awesome. Um, but I was definitely, I was definitely the one that could be coming home from baseball practice and playing, playing baseball in the living room with my little brother and, you know, we'll be messing around still on right. our own. So, um, you know, that's my so you got, experience at least is. Yeah. Let's talk. Uh, what's your, what's your, what'd your dad do? Or what does he do? Does he still work? Yes. Yeah, so he's, he's won a lot of hats. He's, um, he came to California to help build the, uh, the Universal Studios Hollywood and the uh, Santa Monica um, place and these different malls. That's okay. I came from Idaho to California. Um, so it was really cool to be able to just, um, go out, go into malls at like midnight when he was working sometimes growing up and we had, we were off to school and just being an empty mall and wander around as a kid. So that was kind of a, a cool, cool uh -huh. memory from my childhood too. Nice. And mom, what'd mom do? She worked at a, a chiropractic office in, in Santa Monica. And then uh -huh. uh, my family moved to Idaho after I left to college. So now they're out in Idaho. My mom works for the, uh, the Idaho Free County Press out there. My dad, um, helps run the family company out in Idaho now. Nice. Nice. Okay. So you're, you're coming from a, a hardworking family and you got two younger brothers, I'm sure, uh, like a lot of cases, especially in mine, the, the younger brothers tend to, uh, be a little bit better, a little bit more gifted, right? Did, uh, did, did they push you or yeah. did you push them? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I was older. So just by age growing up, I was always kind of leading, leading the pack, but now my youngest brother, uh, He's bigger than me and stronger than me. And I'm not gonna say he's smarter, but he has yeah. the, he has the, uh, the the right resources to. Uh, yeah, you can't give him everything, right? <laughs> say. No, I can't. But um, no, yeah. I'm like I'm five ten, one seventy, right? And he's uh -huh. he's six foot one ninety, one ninety five. He's he is significantly larger than I am. So. so what's his sport? Is he, is he an athlete, or did he get into baseball or other sports? Yeah, so he he did it all. Um, he's he's uh -huh. living in Idaho, so he's he's, he's done wrestling, football, baseball. Um, but he's he's a baseball player, and he's okay. gonna, he actually just got a scholarship to play D one at Boise State and be part of that first inaugural D one team at Boise State in the Mountain West Conference. So I'm excited for that. Oh, He'll be there next year. That's great, man. It's about time they got that program. I mean, whew, been a while, yeah, if so, ever. Did they yeah. ever have one? I thought they had it. No, they didn't have one. And I think then in, they, the eight, they, in the eighties. Um, yeah, and then they lost time. it. Yeah, there's a couple other uh, schools around, big time schools around that don't have a uh, a baseball. Team. I think Iowa State still doesn't have a, a baseball program. They got a you know pretty good football and basketball. Um, that's great, man. So so he's he's in, he's playing ball at Boise State, and then now that's your younger. So you have a middle brother too, right? What's he up to? Yeah, so he's going to college at um, University of Idaho. He he didn't play baseball in college, um, but. Uh, He's kind of always around with for that too. We always had good times growing up, and mm -hmm. um, he's doing great, man. All right. Well, uh, let's see. Let's back it up to high school again. Just before you went to uh, Jay Sarah, went to Modern Day High School. Modern Day. That's right. That's right. You liked that? That was a good experience. Great program. All that good stuff. Yeah. So I spent my first two years of high school at Culver City High School in LA. Okay. And um, basically, just I saw, kind of saw the end vision of wanting to play. Um, play college baseball and and Culver City was awesome but it wasn't the um I didn't really see it being the pathways for me to get to college just because um I wasn't really the, the, like the biggest guy the strongest guy and I was a good hitter but I didn't didn't have anything that stood out so I needed to be mm -hmm. in front of people to actually see me um we thought so we decided to to make a huge take a huge risk honestly um probably the first big risk in my life and where they taught me what risk risk taking and the risk reward is all about mm -hmm. and Went to modern day, only knew one 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 of my uh, travel ball teammates that went there, and that's all I knew pretty much there. Mm -hmm. um, transferred Who was into that? high school, my um, Aaron Cross. I played with him. Um, actually, he went to college. I played with him in college too. Oh, uh, cool. I just knew him from travel ball. I think at the time we were playing for Team Rawlings. So yeah, just literally made the transfer. Transferred into an outfield my junior year. That was uh, Ty Moore, Austin Graybeck, and Ryan Barr. So they're all they're all uh, D1 commits already. So. I was like, okay, well, this is this is good. How am I going to play? And I ended up finding a spot at first base that year, and then played outfield the next the following year. So 
it was a huge risk and didn't really have any a clear clear path to actually be even playing. But um, just being surrounded in that environment, I think, was super rewarding and still to this day, um, super close friends from that school and and they opened a lot of doors. So yeah, and this is at San Diego State, correct? Yeah. So that's I pretty much I'm pretty convinced that the reason I went was able to go D1 was out of high school was because I went to modern day. Um, yeah. And Good I got school, man. and I, yeah, and I didn't even get my I got like I got one offer from from BYU at the end of my senior year, and um, took the visit. And it was cool. It just wasn't my you know wasn't my thing. I'm not I'm not a LDS, and I wasn't gonna try and act like I was right. Mm-hmm. And after my my uh, senior year ended, you know I had a good year, really good year. Um, I think I was the offensive MVP of that modern day team that year. Um, we won national championship, the whole thing. But um, still had no had no clear place to actually play. You know, graduate from high school. I mean, in the summer, it's like, okay, where am I going to go play baseball? I had nowhere except for mm-hmm. the option to go to BYU. Um, so I was looking at community colleges, man. And I was, you know, went to all the local ones and actually took visits to all of them. And then uh, San Diego State called me and they said, hey, we want you to come out to our, our game this Sunday. So I said, yeah, I'm going. From there, literally met, met Tony Gwynn. Um, met the coaching staff, the whole thing. And they gave me an offer before the game in the lounge that day. And then mm-hmm. they said, let's know soon. And, and I didn't even call my parents. And, and after the game, I was like, I want to be an Aztec. And then Coach Gwynn gave me a big old hug and, and awesome. uh, just joined the family. Um, yeah, that's great. That was, that was really cool. But um, it was really stressful too, right? You know, you work your entire life, take these huge risks, you know, do it yeah. high school. And, and he still had nowhere to go. And then getting getting a chance from 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 tony and the staff to uh that's amazing to play and so yeah there's not a lot of there's not a lot of kids i could imagine that are willing to uproot themselves leave a high school where they're comfortable they have all the security and support they need uh from their friends and teammates really a big step uh for a young person like yourself at that time to say that's this is more important i'm going to have a better future i'm going to have a better opportunity to, you know, of course, one step at a time, right? Play college ball, then see what happens. But to do that's pretty amazing, man. You only knew one person. That's a, that's a big, uh, that's a big move, man. So hats off to you on that, man. Good job. Uh, I, I remember Got first it. meeting you, I think it was either, it was 2011 or th- 2012. Did you play for two years with us on the A's or just one your senior year? I think it was just one. Um, you graduated in 2013, right? 13. 13. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it might've been two. It's, it's, it's all big blue, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I think it was, you know, I just remember cause 2012 was my last year with the A's um, before I went on to, to work for the Rangers. And I just, I totally remember you. I mean, there's a lot of guys on those teams every year we, that we ran that we'd had upwards of 45, 55, 50 guys on a team and the days are long and we're shuffling guys in and out between the morning game and the afternoon game, you know, looking at the old rosters, you know, three first basemen, five infielders, six outfielders rotating all the time. And uh, you were one of the guys that stood out, man. I remember, uh, well, and I'll, I'll tell you why you stood out to me, because you were one of the guys that actually wanted to get better. I remember you, you know, coming up and asking questions. Hey, you know, coach, what did you think about this? Or, or I'd catch you maybe taking some dry swings down the right field line or something and say, hey, how's it going? And so you were one of those guys that stood out because you wanted to get better and you asked for help. And it's it's not a common thing, Ty, to be honest with you. You know, running those teams, there are very, maybe a handful of guys every year um, that felt that they wanted to approach a coach or ask for some advice um you know that kind of stuff and so uh it it, that's one of the reasons why you stuck out to me and i just i liked watching you play man because you like i said you were great in the outfield you had a great stick and um uh i remember talking to you a little bit you probably don't remember this conversation but about you know where you're going because i always used to ask you guys you know what are your plans what are you planning where are you planning on going and if i'm not mistaken at that particular time you didn't know you didn't really have a plan i think uh if i'm correct right yeah no i mean i literally didn't know where i was going until the summer of after my senior year of, of high school. Um, yeah. I was wanting to be an Aztec. It's a, uh, it's because when I was 12, I was actually the bat boy for, for San Diego state at the uh, urban invitational tournament at the Academy in LA. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when, uh, Strasburg was there. That's when Tony Gwynn was there. Um, and all those guys. And I was, my dad had me watching like Tony Gwynn videos, you know, hitting and stuff. So my dad was freaking out that Tony Gwynn was there and, at that point, I was, and I thought it was really cool, but I mean, I thought it was even cooler that I was like bad boy for, for, uh, for Coach Gwynn. <clears throat> that was like my first, 
taste of college baseball. So ever since yeah. I was like 12 years old, I wanted, I wanted to be an Aztec, but um, I had no idea where I was going. I mean, some schools had showed interest, but I mean, I don't know if it's true or not, but they're saying that their recruiting classes are already overdone, all of them. Yeah. So pretty much that's what every school told me, like the Irvines, the Washingtons, the Oregon States, uh-huh. um, the Utahs, the USDs, all those schools, you know, they said they're interested, but they just had no space. And they're like, oh, after the draft, maybe, and all this stuff. Um, and how much? That's what San Diego State told me, too. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm sure it's it's tough tough to to get the you know to get the truth and to find out what's going on. But you didn't give up. And how was it? How was it being around Tony Gwynn? That that had to have been pretty special. Yeah, that was honestly a extremely impactful and just awesome um, scenario to be in. Um, being being under the wing of I think the greatest of all time. Um, yeah. So he was he was really cool. Super laid back guy. He'd be he'd be in the in the in the dugout before practice every day, just just shooting his shit with us you know mm-hmm. telling stories yeah um, the whole thing did and you ever was, get any was, uh one-on-one time with him oh yeah all the time i mean we literally we would he'd make sure that he spent time with us he he genuinely enjoyed coaching and wanted to be there that's why he was he was there at state and um we're still close with his son um we talked we spoke recently actually and um no he uh he was a really cool guy he's he's extremely smart he could literally be sitting in the dugout and we'd, he'd be watching a game and he'd call the pitches out, out of the pitcher's hand. And we're just like, how in the hell is this guy doing this right now? <laughs> oh, and it was nuts. He'd have that his own little seat in the dugout. Yeah. He'd be cracking his jokes. <laughs> yeah. I remember, um, yeah, before practice every day, we'd um, so you're sitting in the, in the dugout, right? It's a quick pre-practice meeting. And this one day, my, my roommate gave me a gave me an interesting haircut, you know, because in college you have to, sure. you, have to you know, your budget and get your haircuts from your buddies and stuff. So my buddy, you know, was a as a barber in training, let's say, and he gave uh-huh. me this, this this funky looking faux hawk thing. Uh-huh. We're sitting down, and Coach Gwynn walks out, about to give a speech. He looks at me and he's like, "Addy, what the hell happened to your hair, man? What's going on?" It just in his voice, and everyone's just staring at me like, "Oh man, this guy got butchered. There's a lawnmower above your hair. What's going on?" Um, that's, that's pretty funny. Just, just, just little stuff like that, you know, but, and you, um, you wrote an article about him, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so when Coach Quinn passed, um, mm-hmm. you know, he, we had, he had his funeral and everything and that was, that was a sad time, but sure. what, I, what I did was I, um, teamed up with the, with the, uh, daily Aztec at San Diego state. It's the mm-hmm. school newspaper. And I just interviewed coach, um, past players coaches and like coach Quinn's teammates from when he played at state all the way to his basketball teammates when he played at state um like he's an announcer for the uh for these for someone for the nba team now but he played with them at state there's okay. all these different teammates i was able to get in, in touch with through uh, coach martinez or people at san diego state to um just interview them and have them you know tell stories about coach Quinn and just re- remember him very cool yeah, so really- so now we're going through college ball um you had a little setback, something that probably every player that's ever stepped foot in a batter's box has a fear of at some point, sometime in their life, happened to you. Tell us about it. Yeah, so came on the campus my freshman year, um, obviously super lost. Like, it's, it's a scary world. The, the team that I was a part of was an extremely talented team. Um, it's pretty it's pretty cool to look back in hindsight and how good that team was. And um I basically had to had to try and find a place to play again, you know, just like in high school, I came into a, a stacked outfield and mm-hmm. had no idea, you know, where I fit in. So I was actually able to earn a job as a starter, as a freshman and um, in right field um, next to to one big leaguer now and one guy that's it's in big league spring training this year. So it's pretty cool. Um, just looking back on that, with Greg Allen and Sebi Zavala. Sebi's actually a catcher for the White Sox. Um, in spring training now and Greg's a center fielder for the Indians I was able to to um, learn from them a lot uh-huh. and um you know I was still a freshman so I had to I was still the the bitch and had to run the bucket in every day of practice and stuff so the, <laughs> the only outfit the freshman outfitter <clears throat> but that was really cool I had a successful um, freshman year hit uh, 292 that year I think I had one home run it was awesome you know super excited um and then came in the sophomore year um was lined up to play had everything lined up it was awesome and then the uh, the weekend before uh, season started, we're in inter squads and um, doing a routine, you know, first and third, I think, bunt situational play. Um, my roommate actually 
uh, Bubba Derby, who is in big, big screen training with the Brewers now, okay. um, was pitching and scored around a bunt, the whole thing, just normal, normal play. And then um, he threw a two seamer that just was a, was a heat seeking missile, man. It, uh, it kept running in and uh, I was kind of exposed to the, to him because I was square on the bunt mm-hmm. and just, it just got me, got me square in the face, man. I got, I got my face knocked in pretty good. Oof. And um, yeah, dude, it was pretty, pretty freak accident. There's a small window for it to go into, but it, it got me perfectly, you know, the bone broken in my mouth, all my teeth exploded. Uh, oh. Double comp, which is technically called a double complex mandible fracture. Um, so it hit you right in the jaw, like right on the chin, or did it hit you more onto the side, like if you were being punched? It was like a uppercut kind of tech. If it, oh, kind yeah, of like that. I got you. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Yeah, so yeah, so the bone broke all in my mouth, and you know it was a, you know, all my teeth are in the batter's box. <laughs> oh, and the whole thing that was pretty crazy. Um, I remember telling the trainer like I was in denial. He's like, "Hey, are you okay?" and everything. Uh-huh. Um, I was like, I told him I was fine, <laughs> and then uh, yeah, I wasn't fine, but uh, I tried to play it off, and yeah. then um, yeah, dude, that was honestly, you know, now I can kind of laugh about that. That's really scary. Um, spent a, spent about a week in the hospital, got a, got a post surgery, um, a fever of I think 105, I think 106 is when things start to shut down, you know. Yeah, so it, was, uh, it was pretty actually life threatening situation that turned into. I had my jaw wired shut for a few months. You know, at that point, I was pretty strong. I mean, I was, always was pretty strong, but I was like around one, like 175, which is pretty light. But for me, that's like the heaviest I've mm-hmm. ever been actually in my life. And then um, I ended up losing 30 pounds. I got down to like probably in the oh one, 154, I think. So I look like a skeleton, man. Oh, wow. Um, so I couldn't eat for three months. Um, and then I really, I really was thinking, you know, that, that looking back was the best thing that ever happened to me. But in the moment, I had no idea if I would even be able to play baseball again, you know. I was going to ask um, you that. Did you think, Did obviously, those are the thoughts that go through your head, right? Like, am I ever going to be able to play again? Yeah, exactly. So yeah. Um, and I, I had no idea, and that, that kind of scared the shit out of me, right? So I, um, I actually doubled, doubled down on, on business and business school at that point. And um, that's always kind of what I wanted to do. It just, it just kind of um, baseball was always the first priority. So I kind of doubled mm-hmm. down and really started thinking about that seriously. While while coming back, um, you know, I dedicated my entire life to to uh, to school and also um, like working out and getting getting my weight back and getting back in shape. Right. Because um, I had I had a year basically to uh, to do that. So got back, got my weight back. I got came back. I think at one seventy eight. So I actually came back three pounds heavier. Um, and I like counted every single calorie I put in my body. It worked out every like the whole. I was yeah. Looking back on, I was pretty proud of it actually it was pretty cool to be sure. able to turn to a robot um, yeah but uh well you had some yeah, great man, so. you had some great motivation right you had you had something to shoot for and you're starting from zero again so it was i think that's probably what 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 helped keep you going is that you had a goal and that was to get back out on the field and it's, it's a wake-up call man um yeah and everyone everyone you know needs that and i'm fortunate to be able to get you know get punched in the face and get back up yeah, um, hey, can I, yeah, literally. Is, can I ask you this? Were you on scholarship? Is this was this a deal? Um, did any did this affect anything with school and the in the team? I mean, obviously you're hurt, so you're going to go down. But were you on scholarship? Yeah, so I was at state yeah. for four years, and I was uh, ended up being I was on half scholarship my first year, no scholarship my second year, half my third year, and no my fourth year. That's just how they had to gotcha. balance out to have, you know, with all the those rules. Um, so I was pretty much on a quarter scholarship my entire time, if you average it out. Yeah, um, and you about, and, so, and you get an extra year, and then you get an extra year of eligibility for the for the red shirt, right? For the medical. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I I, I left um, before right. that. But um, but yeah. So basically, um, just 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 turned into a machine, man. Um, got mm-hmm. strong. Um, just did a lot. Of, I mean, worked hard in school. I. It was hard in the beginning because I couldn't really like stay awake, you know, after surgery. So I kind of actually I actually failed a couple of classes, um, wow. business calculus and um, and um, management information systems. I actually failed because I couldn't go to class for a little bit. Just no stamina, um, probably. Huh? Couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's did so much pain um, that I literally wow. would like be falling asleep in class or like just had to leave, and I couldn't talk. So telling professors, <laughs> you know, it was it was, it was pretty trippy, oh. man. Um, it was pretty crazy. It was super cool, man. I came came out a, a stronger dude and a, 
in a different perspective on life, man. And I've, I bet. I've been there. I bet. So you recover from that. Tell me about the first day back in the box. Yeah, no, dude. My first at bat, uh, first at bat back, I was in, in Wisconsin, or I was in Canada actually. My first at bat was back in Canada in um, Thunder Bay, in the Northwoods League. And I just swung at the fucking first pitch I saw, bro. And I hit a line drive back up the middle, and I was like, okay, I'm good. <laughs> okay, okay. I mean, so, no, that's that's great too. But I was, I want to back you up to the first time. I mean, even in practice, like the first time you had to face a pitcher again. Was there anything in your gut or your mind, or that was telling you anything, or are you just ready to go? I wasn't allowed to practice with the team, man. Um, it it was it's I wasn't on the roster. They took me off the roster, so I I was mm-hmm. uh, literally not allowed to be with the team. Okay, so your um, first so, at bat really was a game. Yeah, no, my coach coach let me take batting practice one time on the field um, oh. during season. He snuck he snuck me in, um, but my literally my first time swinging a bat was in the Northwoods League in summer ball. Um, in a game. The summer after that. Yeah. Yeah. I at the first pitch, man. I said, fuck it. Wow. That's amazing, man. That's who does that. That's crazy. I mean, I would, I would have thought for sure. I mean, I'm just would have pictured me doing it, which would have been ease back into it, you know, take some BP, maybe go out to a workout, get a guy tossing a little bit, but you went right after it, man. That is, that's impressive. Yeah. I was in great shape. I just wasn't in baseball shape for that. I had, I know I had the whole summer for that. Um, you just wanted to get it I mean, over with, didn't you? <laughs> You're like, let's yeah, go. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, it was a crazy time. Crazy time of life. It was, everything was kind of was nuts, but uh, it was really cool. Um, so walk me into that. Walk me, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, yeah, no. Basically, just yeah, playing Northwoods League. And uh, Northwoods League, that's when you find out what kind of man you are. Um, uh-huh. It's nuts. It's, it's, it's like a minor league schedule. Um, from I can speak from experience now, actually, and it's 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 like the minor league schedule, but but worse because you're in really bad towns. I mean, great great towns, great people, but like you know, the small town USA, and you're just going from bus ride to bus ride, um, like eight hours every day. You sleep on a bus every night, which I mean yep. is normal. You get fed not very well by other teams. Other teams feed you. Um, I mean, at, at the time it was fine, but like looking back on it, comparing it to the minor leagues, it was really bad. Um, and you become a man, dude. You really become a man in Northwoods League or summer ball in general. So it was really cool. Um, nice. throwing the fire and, and get mentally challenged again. So, yeah, so came back um, from Northwoods, had a, had a good good summer actually. Ended up hitting like 271, which is pretty good considering, you know, coming back from, from, from everything. So I was excited about that. I hit in the Northwoods League home run derby, blah, blah, blah. Had a, I had a good year, my, my, my comeback year. Uh, I was also draft eligible at that point. So I hit 302, I think, like, I think seven home runs, um, you know, had a, had a good year. And at this point, I was hoping to get, hoping to get a chance to get drafted, you know, and not a single call. Nobody asked me, my agent, nobody asked me if like a questionnaire, like, no, I got nothing. And I was like, oh man, this sucks. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm definitely, a, definitely, um, was a, was a slap in the face a little bit. I mean, not that right. I expected to be drafted, but you know, I'll be, everyone dreams big, right? So at that point, I, I doubled down again on 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 baseball, I guess, and and um, went to Santa Barbara that summer and really like really I'm, I'm really was like a machine. Like worked out in the morning, ate well, um, trained, went for early hitting, um, and just approached every day um, and just attacked attacked every day and just try to become the best I could because I knew I, like I I wanted to try to go pro. Um, mm-hmm. So I came back for my third season. Um, my redshirt junior year and you know was having had a great fall did everything great um and we kind of got a little thunderbolt for our, our baseball program um my teammate chad bible um, was diagnosed with cancer uh, right before season started and his his uh chemotherapy started after the seventh game of the season mm-hmm. uh, against cal state Fullerton, which is his old, his old school so everything was lined up to where he'd he'd uh he'd play and then start chemo after the eighth game which you know was 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 an awesome awesome story. He survived. He's one of my best friends still. Everything's awesome there. But the the kind of repercussion of that was that you know there's only so many spots where you could play, and and I was I was the guy that didn't actually get to play the first uh, seven eight games of the season, which is almost 20 percent of the season for a 56 game schedule. It's about 15 16 percent, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I literally didn't play for the first chunk of the season. At that point. I had just completely just given up on anything to do with, with, with pro baseball. I was like, no one's going to draft 
no one's going to draft a guy that doesn't even play the first fifth of the season, fifth of the season um, let alone not, I mean, I wasn't a really prospect to begin with. So I just kind of mm-hmm. totally gave up on, on baseball at that point and um, decided to double down on, on school and business even, even more. Um, and I was already in like entrepreneurship honors program and everything at school. So I was, you know, already doing it, but I just decided that's the path I was going to take because baseball wasn't going to, I wasn't going to go pro. You know, finally got my chance to play. Ended up, I completely lost the fear of failure because there was no, there's nothing, you know, in my mind that could have, could be worse. Like I, I could, I got, I actually played one game and I was hitting 670 on the season, eight games in with three at bats. Um, yeah. And I was like, oh, nothing can go worse here. I've, I'm literally, like I, I played fine, you know, and I'm not playing. I'm I'm just going to go out and have fun and, and play baseball. And I did that and um, ended up setting a modern era NCAA record for consecutive at bats or played appearances reaching base. Nice. I reached base 15 straight times. Um, oh boy. Set, an, set another record for most consecutive hits. I got uh, 10, 10 hits in a row. It's kind of cool. Nice. Very um, cool. Got the, uh, the foul pole sports. It's called the the Big Dick Swinging Player of the Week that that week too, which is a kind of a funny <laughs> award they give out. Um, yeah, but mm-hmm. so did that. Um, was actually named to the um, the midseason Golden Spikes list. So I was named one a nominee for the best player in college baseball. Um, wow, at the midseason man. point. Well, and I I only played at that point. I, well, I missed eight games, so I didn't had a very small amount of games I played, and actually I think was the lead, leading the nation home runs at that point. Um, Look at you. And. So it's, yeah, I mean, that's just one on a, an absolute rampage, you know? Yeah. And, um, that's um, great, Ty. I did that. Yeah, so I ended up getting, being named an, an All-American, uh, Golden Spikes nominee, um, the whole thing. Ended up mm. with 15 home runs to 340. Uh, and it was really, really fun, man. Yeah. Um, got, got, I mean, I had a really good year, but I'm not, I wasn't a prospect. I'm 5'10", 170 outfielder, you know, no arm. I, I play hard, but, you know, but didn't have any any tool that stood out at all, mm-hmm. except for a power tool that came out came out of um, left field, literally. <laughs> um, so yeah, I got some interest from teams, not too much interest. Uh, I think the uh, the Mariners called me in the like the twenty sixth round and said, "Do you want to sign you for a thousand bucks?" And I said, "Screw off, basically," because uh-huh. um, I cause I was a junior, I had leverage still, and they wanted to sign me for a thousand bucks. I was like, "No way." Yeah. And then um the the Red Sox called me and they said we're going to take you in the eleventh round for one hundred twenty five thousand dollars. That sound good? And I said, sounds great, man. Let's do it. And then they never called me back after that. So I don't know what happened there. <laughs> um, and then it was getting late in the draft, dude. In the thirties, I was like, oh man, I'm not going to get drafted. Like this is like no one's calling me. Like nothing. It's all crickets. Um, and had no agent. Nobody even asked me my agent or nothing. I was my so I was my own agent. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, I'm listening to the draft and I hear my name pop up on the screen and says uh it says i didn't hear what team it was it said blah 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 flex tyler atkinson and my buddy's like dude you got drafted i was like what the hell just happened uh-huh and i didn't know who it was for a second i had to check and see who drafted me and it was the dodgers and then the head coach called me chris martinez first and then and then the dodgers called me i didn't even call me before they drafted me and huh. then the area scout the area scout said um he's like hey man i i didn't know that we're taking you but congratulations who is <laughs> so the guy do you remember dude. who the scout was yeah, it's uh, Brent Main. Um, oh yeah, the scout for the Dodgers. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, uh, he had no idea that they were taking me. Um, huh. So apparently, apparently, uh, the the cross checkers saw me play against USD. Um, okay. Because they were they were watching, I think like Riley Adams or someone, the catcher for so them. So what was this? Thirty third round or something? Yeah, thirty second round. Thirty second round. Um, yeah, so it's awesome. But this, I literally just their their director saw me play. I had a, I had a home run off the batter's eye in center field. Uh, on a cold night in USD, and I also hit like three uh-huh. more hits that night. So oh, he nice. he decided that they wanted me. <laughs> there you <laughs> so go. Scott didn't even know. Did uh, they give you more than a thousand did. bucks? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, again, I negotiated with them and, and was able to get eighty thousand. Um, Jesus, that's so, great for a thirty-second yeah. rounder. Are you kidding me? Yeah, no, it was it was, it was cool, um, and that was enough <laughs> for me to to leave college at that point to um to pursue. Um, baseball that's great um, man that is awesome and so you you negotiated your contract you're your own agent your own manager your own accountant i'm guessing <laughs> uh yeah everything yeah did you have to get a lawyer no no i was i did everything on my own um didn't even worry about so it huh? was, just where do i sign yeah. 
here's who you make the check out to. <laughs> yeah. So, All right. So I got to ask you, I, we're going to, we're going to talk a little bit more about pro ball, but did, was, was that like, did you already know that money was going to go to start blockchain at this point or something? Um, I knew it was, well, was going to be invested. Um, right. Then you knew so, right away. And I did. Yeah. So I did. I handled my own. Uh, so I've always um, been an entrepreneur. I, I was a kid selling candy in middle school to raise money to buy the first ever iPad that came out. Like, I was creating baseball bats. I was I was selling gloves. Like I, that was kind of who I was. So, um, yeah, I was is all invested. Um, um, spread across the board, but had some also put some into uh, the digital assets, blockchain stuff as well. Um, but yeah, man, that's that's, uh, that's I was already kind of I knew I knew where it was gonna go, and it was cool to actually have some some money for the first time in my life to actually play play in the markets with with real money, not not at no, it's the the fake stuff that you play with in class or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, so back to that. Sorry. Uh, go ahead. So tell. So you you sign with the Dodgers. You uh, you go to your first um, uh, workout. You're. I'm guessing you go to short season, right? Where was short season? Yeah. Yeah. So um. Well, first I send you to mini camp or whatever in Arizona. Um, okay. We got out of the car. It, yeah. it was 122 degrees, man. It was in Welcome like to Arizona. And, 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 <laughs> yeah. So. It felt like a, you know, when you open an oven when you're cooking something and it just blows you in the face yeah. with hot air. It was crazy. Um, yeah, so work out there. They did all the physicals and stuff, you know, the whole the, the standard process for onboarding um, new athletes. Mm-hmm. And we did some, like, some live at-bats and all that. Then my first my first live at-bat, I was, I was facing um, Osuna, I think. It was Osuna, uh, Os- the closer for the, for, the, for, the, uh, for the Blue Jays' little brother, I think. Okay. Was, okay. Was. I, faced, I faced him, and I was like, you know, typical me. I'm assuming at the first pitch I see, like I'm just gonna get this over with. Um, just like <laughs> when I came back from my injury, so swing at the first pitch, I hit line drive at the middle, smashed it, and then Gabe Kapler walked up to me and was like, "That's a really good first impression, man. Welcome to the team." Nice. Um, and and Kapler's awesome. I still still talk to him to this day, actually. But yeah. uh, but yeah, guy. so so yeah, did that, and then end up getting sent out with the first group of guys to uh to short season to rookie ball, um, advanced rookie because I was an older guy. And um, mm-hmm, yeah, we played mm-hmm. played played there for the season. Um, at the All Star break, I was hitting 392. I was absolutely crushing it in, in rookie ball, and it was fun, dude. Playing pro ball is really fun. So what what ha- what happened then? At one point, did you say because you didn't get released, you you quit on your own, right? I mean, not quit, but you retired yeah. because you you wanted to start this. I didn't mean to make it to sound like you gave up. I meant to say like you decided. So tell tell me how that decision came about. Because I gotta, I gotta ask. I mean, I'm sure there's a ton of guys out there that would think you got all the way to there, you made it, you get drafted, you're, you finish your first full season, you're hitting 300. Why wouldn't you keep going? Yeah, um, yeah, it really, it really came down to just, just passion, man. Um, with I've always wanted to be the, uh, the guy in the suit, you know, on the airplane, my whole life. I mean, baseball was plan A, but um, I mean, baseball ends for everybody. So I kind of. I looked at it like five years down the road, right? Um, mm-hmm. If I say I played five more years in the minor leagues and then started my life versus really started taking now. the risk and taking the leap to start now. Um, the opportunity cost is what you'd call it. And the cost was too much for me, man. Um, I, I didn't want to be, um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of guys in minor leagues, it's kind of, it's kind of sad, but they just keep playing because they they're scared of the real world, you know? They have no idea what they're going to do next. Um, and I, I wanted to kind of attack my problems instead of instead of hide from them. And I knew that I, you know, baseball was I was not going to be a big leaguer. Um, you know, I, I was lucky enough to get a chance to get there in the first place and um, and get an opportunity. So uh-huh. I decided to to take to take that risk, man. Take another, you know, it's kind of the theme of theme of my life is you know the take, with all risk and equal reward, and you know take taking those risks is what separates you know the normal people from the extraordinary. That's right. right? That's right. So. Yeah, some people thought I was crazy. Some people thought I was a genius. Some people were confused. Um, yeah, but, that's uh, way it, that's it right there, right? Yeah, totally. But um, just decided to to retire early. Um, had two years on my on my contract left. I mean, I, I hit three hundred. I got they weren't gonna like you know release me or anything. At least I assume that. But um, not in the near term. How did that go? If you don't mind me <clears throat> asking the details, I mean, you walk into the Skip's office and say, "I'm done." Or you make a phone call to uh, to Kapler or to front office, or who who do you who do you go right to to say, "I uh, I got to talk to somebody about <laughs> retiring and getting out of my contract." Yeah, I had an open dialogue with with the farm director and and um, the staff with, with Cap, and um, 
other guys. It wasn't like just a completely random thing. I told them, you know, I was kind of contemplating, you know, what I want to do for for life in the long run. And, and they um they were very professional about it. They're awesome people. The Dodgers organization is unbelievable. They're, I have nothing but good things to say about it. I'm still in touch with the, the staff there too to this day. But yeah, I was like, hey man, that's, I have some, some life decisions I have to make basically on, 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 on where life's headed towards and stuff. And, you know, I talked to like Tony Gwynn Jr. too, and I asked him for his 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 advice. And um, bottom line is, I just I just saw my my uh-huh. my life path going differently than than baseball. Um, and it was extremely hard decision. I mean, maybe I may be making it seem like it sounded like I just decided to do it, but it was a really hard decision, right? Your entire life is is the sport, and you kind of get yeah. to this this fork in the road where you need to decide, you know, what's going to be best for yourself in the long run. Um, and I mean without a doubt that I made the, I made the right choice. It just, um, yeah, yeah, it was hard, but at the same time, I don't miss it anymore. I mean, I still, I still hang out with the guys and still like do mm-hmm. it. It's not, it's not really a job. Like, baseball was becoming, becoming, it started to become a job at the end of college and stuff. Um, and so that's just how it felt. Yeah. Honestly. Well, it's, yeah, it sounds but, to me like in, of course, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds to me like when you were saying that it was the plan a was to play ball, go through the minor leagues, make it to the big leagues. and but it, you weren't at that time. It wasn't considered a job. Then it became the job, and all of a sudden, Plan B looked better because you're thinking, if I gotta have a job, I think I might have more passion for this over here, which is what you're doing now, right? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say um, it was like know. it wasn't like black and white like that, but right. Yeah, I mean, even in college, it was kind of like a it's, it's toward the end of the college career. It's because I, you know, I don't really see my long term career being in baseball, anyways. But I did want to go pro. Um, right. And I, I was lucky to just just get hotter than than like Jesus Christ Himself for yeah. for the season, and literally like pull fifteen home runs out of my out of my behind and stuff. So, <laughs> um, yeah. so um, but yeah, but I, the whole time along, ever since I broke my face, um, I guess my plan A might have shifted to be focused on you know what what would I do if baseball ended today, and I, I didn't have an answer back then, so I was really focused on trying to figure that out for a couple of years. Well, before, and and just the fact that. And just the fact that you used that time to bounce back with the books. And, and like you said, it was it looked like to be the blessing in disguise because it, it forced you to say, hey, baseball has gone today, which it is. What would you be doing? And you started pounding the books and started getting smarter in the classroom and working out that business plan and getting yourself healthy and getting yourself back into shape. So you knew you could do that. You know, so you're you're you were on the top of your game in the physical and the mental aspect of your life at that point, it sounds like. And so now when it was, it was easier for you to say, all right, I'm done with baseball. Cause I, now I can go, I got the tools I need to go after this right here. And this is long-term, this will feed me and a future family and their family after that. Right. Well, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, also another other piece of the puzzle too, is, um, I, I mean, I was more passionate about helping athletes instead of being one, um, mm. at that point Good. too. Um, so, I mean, even now today, um, I have a lot of my, some of my favorite, favorite baseball players and athletes growing up. And so my buddies are, I help them now and we're going to continue to expand on that. Yeah. Forward, and that's the most, most rewarding thing. Um, so let's get into that. We're actually, actually helping. Yeah. So, so you make the call, you get the, the, the resignation all done with the team. You part your ways. What do you do the first day after that? Yeah. So, well, I'm in Arizona, so, um, okay. I get back to, get back to California had uh had nowhere to go so because i you know didn't renew my lease when i left to go to spring training or and all that uh, so catch with some friends um and just just really just buckled down you know we'd be at a coffee sh- coffee shop or somewhere and just really start working on getting things rolling um so the first thing that we did um which i was working on in spring training also was launched my hedge fund um called block terra so so it's a, mm-hmm. a hedge fund is a basically a, a way of managing people's money um and was able to get, you know, rally up some, rally up some clientele, get a business model. My mentor is a venture capitalist and he helped me a lot with that. And um, basically we, we invested in, in digital assets and we invested in digital assets. And that's kind of, okay. kind of, um, it's, it's been on my family radar or on my radar for a while, just because um, my cousin, um, Peter Atkinson is the, uh, is the creator of uh, Magic the Gathering, um, Dungeons and Dragons and Pokemon cards. So that ties into blockchain because the first ever. Wait, 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 stop right there. I got, I got, I got to get you to slow down on that again. You said your cousin is the 
he's the creator of that? Yeah, so my, my cousin founded the um, Wizards of the Coast, which published uh, Pokemon cards, um, Magic the Gathering cards, and also oh, wow. our Dungeons That's and Dragons. Um, yeah, super cool. She sold that in 2000 to Hasbro. But um, that ties into blockchain because the first ever um, Bitcoin exchange um, was actually created created for uh, Magic the Gathering cards. And it's named after Magic the Gathering. Um, it's called Mount Gox. So Mount Gox stand, stands for Magic the Gathering Online Exchange. And that was like, the first ever Bitcoin exchange. That's kind of um, that that kind of crossover there. And um, yeah, and basically my teammates were asking me like, like, what is blockchain? Like, what are you doing? And like, can you do it for me? And um, and legally I couldn't without setting up the, the company to actually to actually have the vehicle to drive that. Um, so that was that's the first first venture, and, and now we're actually expanding upon that to go into um, full service wealth management. So my my chief investment officer that we just we just um, partnered up with, he has a 15 year career on Wall Street. He's managed portfolios and risk management for um, Wall Street banks and also hedge funds around the world. So he used to run the uh, quantitative desk at Citigroup on Wall Street. He used to be the market uh-huh. maker for the Royal Bank of Canada on the New York Stock Exchange. He's been the portfolio and risk manager for hedge funds based out of anywhere, everywhere from the U.S., London to the Cayman Islands. Um, so we're really excited and grateful to have a, a Wall Street veteran um, uh-huh. basically bring Wall Street to all streets because you don't really see wealth managers have such a distinguished career um, with the largest institutions in the world, usually it's the wealth managers just, you know, they start out after college at Merrill Lynch and just go from there. So we're actually, um, he's actually overqualified for what we're doing now, but he wants to work for himself instead of work for other people now. So it's really cool to have, to have him on board with us. That's great. That's awesome. That's great. Uh, so, and it's going well, and you started this, um, what day, how long you been in business? Well, I was working on it and doing, the off season and also in spring training. So officially, the company was formed on April 11th. Okay. Um, and then from there we formed a new new company. Um, so the first one was Blockterra, and then the second one is um, called Twelfth Floor. So it's Twelfth okay. Floor Private Wealth, and it's because um, when I was living in San Diego, where I'm living in San Diego, um, I was managing a hedge fund, and my neighbor was managing a hedge fund in London. And this is this is our CIO. And um, we just started becoming friends, you know, having having drinks at the bar sometimes and talking. We had free time. We're talking about what we're trying to do next. And we're both trying to do the exact same thing next. So we're like, why don't we join forces? Because um, doing, it, doing it solo is hard, but doing it as a, as a team, um, we think we can, with not many overlapping skills, we could, we could really, we could really um, build an empire. So that's basically what we're doing now is, um, is uh, bringing Wall Street to all streets and doing, going to service wealth management. Um, and uh, basically helping helping people um, manage their risk and, and manage manage their financial lives. So we're really excited for that moving forward. That's great. Are are all your clients uh, baseball players or former baseball players, or do you have a mix with the general public as well? Yeah. So um, for the hedge funds, um, it's mostly um, MLB, NFL players, <clears throat> and that's just because um, for hedge funds you have to be an accredited investor, which means you have to um, you have to be a millionaire basically, or else you can't yeah. invest in the hedge fund. It's for the it's reserved for the ultra wealthy. Um, but for the wealth management firm, um, part of the reason why we're expanding and doing this is because for wealth management, you actually don't have to be an accredited investor. You can be anybody. So um, mm-hmm. that's kind of where the the Wall Street, all streets comes in because you know the Wall Street's typically you know reserved for you know the the elites, and then for we're trying to grant everyone and the athletes maybe a minor leaguer that is not a millionaire or maybe. Right. You know, helping kids that are about to get drafted with their financial planning and help them really there keep what they make because it doesn't matter what you make, it matters what you keep. And yeah. uh, managing that risk, um, especially especially uh, in, in today's day and age. But um, see, that's what we're working on now is to mm-hmm. basically to do that for everybody. But the initial clientele is um, MLB players, NFL players. Um, have some good well, friends you might as well, yeah, you might as well stay stay at the well. Right. I mean, that's where all your contacts are. That's what your networks are. That's where they are. And uh, there's there's plenty of millionaires. And uh, so that, that makes total sense. And it's, and it's sports. It's still helping sports, you know, guys helping athletes out. Yeah. So uh, it's super cool. I'm at this point, pretty well tied into the uh, technology world as well. Entrepreneurs um, there, my partner, um, he's had a you know, long career and lived in a lot of different places. So he has, he has an extensive Rolodex as well. Um, so no, it's, it's mm-hmm. we're super excited, man. It's um, 
you know, super and busy. So, but uh, yeah. So what are you now? Are you twenty five? I'm twenty three. Twenty three. Jeez, I was trying to do the math and I didn't do it very well. Uh, so <laughs> you, you're twenty three years old. You're just getting everything going. Life is great. Everything's in front of you. You're not married yet, are you? No, no, no. Okay, good. Are you not close to getting married? You haven't got a ring or anything? <laughs> no way, man. I'm a, okay, good, good, I, good, buddy. Too much I, life I to live right now. To worry <laughs> there about you that. go. I, there you go. I, it's great. Don't get me wrong. I, I love being married, and but I, I waited a long time too, uh, till I was 34. So uh, yeah, go have fun, man. And this sounds great because you got a great future ahead of you. What kind of advice would you throw back at uh, the 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 guys and girls that are on your heels that are coming through uh, college now and graduating and starting businesses more so to the baseball players, I guess, since this is love the game, live the dream. And we're talking about baseball here, but what kind of, what kind of uh, advice would you give to them? Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing that helped me in, in my baseball career, I mean, obviously uh, just a relentless work ethic um, is kind of what separated me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, I think the biggest thing was honestly just eliminating the fear of failure. Um, yeah. You know, I like to, I used to write in my helmet, um, what was it? I used to write, failure is inevitable, but success is optional, right? So basically you're going to fail, but your mm -hmm. success is on your mindset and, and really um, not caring about the outcome of, you know, oh, am I going to swing and miss here? This is going to happen. It's, it's more so I'm going to go attack this and I'm not going to care if I fail because that's going to happen. But right. with the right mindset, you'll get it done. And it's hard to explain, but like when the fastball is coming, if you, if you have any doubt for a split second, you're going to foul it off or get jammed. But if you don't, you really don't care about failure. That's when you, I really learned that you can, you can have, have a lot more success. Um, and so I'll take that a step further. And if you also don't care about getting smashed in the freaking face with it either, uh, I think you'll be okay. Cause <laughs> right. that, that isn't always going to happen, but when it does and you can bounce back from that brother, I tell you what, you're going to, you're going to be on the road to success just like you are. So <laughs> that's right oh man that I, I still can't get over that man it gives me chills to think about that what about can you besides the failure part because that, that is a huge one and it's always the one that uh baseball being a game of failure of course in a lot of people's eyes a lot of, I, I think it's a game of opportunity um but uh what, what do you what else did deep baseball teach you uh, besides the the work ethic and the and the fear fairs there is particular strategy that you use in your business that uh, if you trace it back, you're, you know, you could tie it to, to what you learned in baseball? Oh, yeah. I mean, this <laughs> baseball, like you could basically say is what like raised me to be the person I am. It's literally everything. Um, uh -huh. But one takeaway I had uh, when I was with the Dodgers was my coach, uh, Tarek Brock. Um, he would always say that everything is measured and calculated. And I don't know why that really stuck with me, but I think it's just because it's, it's just like in life or in baseball, like, you can, you can just, everything is, is literally measured and calculated. So you can be so precise with it. Um, so really attacking whether it's your work ethic in, in baseball and knowing, um, knowing the outcome there or the controlling the inputs, I guess you just say, or in life, um, controlling the inputs um, of what you put into things. Um, it's uh, it's kind of eye-opening for me to really, for that. Um, but dude, baseball, whether it's, just hard the seeing the fruits of your labor paying off. I think is just seeing that over time, you, it motivates you even more to, to keep, to keep putting the, the pedal to the metal. Um, I mean, the, the discipline, the mindset, um, uh -huh. adversity, you know, you're, no one learns, you know, skating through life easy. Right. So it's, I think this adversity and being just really, literally knocked in the face, um, it really, <laughs> really, you learn a lot. Um, you know, what, what do they say? Everyone has a plan until they get smacked in the face. Right. Yeah, so, um, I think in life you got to get snacks in the face a couple times, man. Before, but always, you're an exception. You're an exception to that, man, because you already had a plan before you got knocked in the, flame, in the face, and then you <laughs> stayed on it. That was. <laughs> well, I mean, I got a wake up call, man. I mean, yeah, I, no, I hear, know, you. I, I hear a... you for sure. You did for sure. You <laughs> did, but you had a you had a good plan going in and a good plan coming out. Put it that way. <laughs> no, I mean, and still a lot of with the chops still, right? But um. You know, all you yeah. can do is try to just, just just create your own path and, and you know you know take risk and 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 um and live life on that on the edge and always challenge yourself, right? I think if you if you the day you stop learning, the day the day you start dying, right? So yeah, um, yeah, you know, on this lifelong journey of of of, of learning and and trying to have a rising tide lift all boats, right? So uh, so I was happy to even today and at least to this day having having coffee with some kids, whether it's like the younger San Diego State guys or 
mm-hmm. you know, we'd be going out to talk to the team about, you know, what I've learned or what I've, you know, tried to, uh, tried to learn, mm-hmm. you know, giving back. I mean, that's, that's kind of, and also the nature of what we're doing now is literally, um, we're just trying to, we're trying to help people with their finances. Um, so I think that's kind of ingrained, ingrained in, um, I guess through baseball is kind of what you learn there and being in that team environment and sure. you, know, you can't really win by yourself in, in, in baseball. So I think in life you can take that as well. Yeah, that's great stuff, man. Good advice. Very, very, very uh, poignant uh, words of wisdom from such a young man, but uh, already old in the soul. I can tell, man, you, you, you've lived a lot uh, through the last few years and it, it shows in your, your uh your abilities and your success and your your professionalism and uh i'm very very happy that i was able to reconnect with you i'm glad to have met you when i did as a as a young man in the sport and to uh to have been at least part of your journey for now and hopefully in the future man i really appreciate you taking your time tyler to hang out with me today absolutely feelings mutual man anytime Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Love the Game, Live the Dream, brought to you by World Baseball Experience. If you haven't had a chance, check out the website. I encourage you to do so. That's www.worldbaseballexperience.com. Some good stuff over there. Check out the site. Pass it along to your friends and family and any other baseball enthusiasts that you come across. We appreciate your support. Of course, there's uh, Facebook, Twitter links, uh, YouTube channel, all that good stuff over there. Again, that's www.worldbaseballexperience.com. And I I hope you have a fantastic rest of the day. Take care.